You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlist. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 56 for what oh, what's today's date? I didn't put today it in is there. Today's the 25th. Dang, it's June it 25th, yes. 2009. <laughs> I'm Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt Vandalist, and if you have any comments or questions about something you hear today or something you haven't heard, such as the proper date that we're recording, <laughs> or if you'd have been in the chat room before we actually went live and you got to listen to Matt trying to figure out why he's hearing so many different voices <laughs> right. simultaneously in his head, ironically all Mark and Matt at the same time, you know what? You can get a hold of us by either dropping us an email at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message on our voicemail at 623 242 2450. Whew, man, it's been a busy show already and we haven't even gone anywhere yet. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot of uh just routine stuff that we're not we're not doing properly today, but that's uh that's okay. I mean, I just got back from a, a move and just got into this house, so um a few hiccups I think would be acceptable. Yeah, I think you're actually making a smoother transition than I am, and the extent of my movement is from the living room to the basement, occasionally to the bathroom, and into bed. Apparently, my move has somehow thrown you off. I'm not sure how that works, but uh, <laughs> well, let's blame that. There you go. I, I've always been told I'm very empathic. I always pick up on what's going on with others, so maybe that's what it is. As soon as you got online, I'm like, I'm feeling something. I'm feeling confusion. Yeah, that must be it. That must be it. Well, speaking of which, I guess that's really what's on my bench right now is is absolutely nothing because my bench is on its side in in, oh, in nice. my new garage and uh, there's nothing on it. So, um, yeah, we just finished up the move. It was a roughly seven day process, but we were kind of integrating into the new house and moving at the same time. And the final thing to go was the shop. And nice. uh, yeah, let me tell you, that was an adventure. And I got a lot of it on film and uh, talked to the moving guys and got their permission to get some footage of them moving the stuff. And it was a two-man crew that took care of it with uh, you know, with this little flatbed that lifts up and down. And it was actually a lot more, a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. So um, that, okay. that'll make for an interesting episode in the future. Nice. Yeah, you know, that that's one of the things I, I, I remember when you were getting ready to move and there was just a ton of questions out there that just seemed like, you know, Mark, are you gonna film this? Or are you gonna do that? What do you do with this? What do you do with that? How do you handle this? And well, I was thinking Yeah, you know, I mean, when, go ahead. No, I was gonna say when we moved there was two guys doing it. it was me and myself, and then everybody else decided it was so hot they went to the beach. So I was just <laughs> slamming stuff all over the place. But you know it, it, what you have going on there with it, with the equipment that you have and, and a lot of the other things, I was curious about that too because. That's that's a big move, and you've got some stuff in there that I, I, I you wouldn't want some joker like me handling it, even though it would be my own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reality of it is, I, you know, people were saying, do a video so you can give us some tips, and I'm thinking, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm in there scratching my head going, how the hell am I going to get this over there, you know? Right. So my hope was, let me get two, you know, two dudes who are stronger than I am with better equipment than I have, let them do it, and I'll watch, you know? So right. <laughs> that was pretty much how it was done. Uh, everything else that was kind of, you know, one man handleable, it was something that I took myself. So I really, I had it reduced down to maybe the big, you know, the biggest 10 tools that I have, uh, the band saws, the lathe, the table saw, and uh, these guys did a fantastic job. So, um, you know, it took two trips. Uh, fortunately, it's only about 15 minutes from here to the old house and uh, two trips did it and it cost me about four $475 for these two guys, and it only okay. took, you know, less than half a day. Um, but you know what? When you're moving that heavy stuff, I mean, that was as much as we paid to move the entire house. 
Um, actually, it's a little bit more than we paid to move the entire house, but I think it was well worth it. So, Absolutely, yeah, because if, if you can get some help with that, that's insane. My idea was, you know, it's a small shop. I got a lot of stuff on casters, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to bring it up and tie a rope to each one of them and then slowly jive down the road and have my own little parade <laughs> of tools following me. There you go. Just drag it. Well, this is the problem exactly. that it really presents is I have a lot of stuff that's on mobile bases too, and the problem is once you start to pull it up a ramp, if it's even like a quarter-inch lift on that ramp, it seems like the wheels are always going to get stuck, and then you pull on it and tug on it, and you know these things are only sitting in the in the mobile base by weight. Uh, mm-hmm. So as soon as you tug on it too much, it wants to lift right out of the base. Uh, so, so getting the the actual um, mobile base itself onto the ramp is really where the challenge is. Um, right. But, but I've got all the footage of it, and these guys did a pretty good job. So I'm uh, I'm here, and I've got everything packed into the garage. I can't even move in there, but I will work it out somehow so that at the very least, I've got my bench. I've got access to a lot of the uh, the hand tools, some of my Festool stuff, and I'll be working out of what will really be half of a one-car garage <laughs> for the next wow. few months uh, until until we can get the shop built. Wow, that's that, that's amazing. I, I can see, hear the neighbors now. They're like, I don't know what's going on over there. Like, that guy's got a lot of crap. And he had to bring some extra guys in. I yeah. bet you there's something illegal going on over there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's my mobile meth lab, actually. So, <laughs> so enough about me. What's, uh, what's happening in Matt's world? Well, the, the biggest thing that's been going on is uh, last week, and I, I Twittered about this, and I, I tried to post stuff on Facebook about it. I had my, my star moment. At least it felt like a star. <laughs> Of course, my wife always has to bring me back down to earth and remind me who I really am. (laughs) That's that's appropriate. Right. But uh, I had a chance to go to uh, West Virginia. Every year, Woodcraft, the the main corporate headquarters, has their big vendor slash dealer show going on. And this is just an opportunity for all the the store owners to come in and, you know, try and find something new or just reconnect with the uh, the actual vendors themselves and, you know, just kind of go from there. MLM Plus on top of it. I guess there's a huge party. I don't know what's going on because I kept hearing something about. Uh, due to uh, all sorts of different uh, circumstances, we have to remove the party from the fourth floor to the second floor. And then the next day it was, we're moving the party from this venue to that venue. And I'm thinking, what do you guys do? You must have this horrible reputation around here or something. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, that, that was pretty neat. And uh, I think the highlight for me was uh, Scott Phillips uh, from the, what, the American Wood Shop. I mm-hmm. get his show wrong. He was walking around and taping some segments for um, Woodcraft itself of all the, the highlights, the new tools, stuff like that. Oh, cool. And he actually came up to our booth and he had me demonstrate what I was working on. And that was just like uh, I, I, I did the thing where I, I started to talk really fast because I got really nervous, you know, kind of like this. And then he kind of <laughs> gave me that look so I slowed down, you know, and then I, I got through it and I seem to do a good job. We'll find out if they actually post it. Okay. But at the end of uh, the meeting with Scott Phillips, he was getting ready to walk away, and he's kind of looking at things a little bit, and we shook hands, and I said, oh, by the way, I reached over, grabbed one of my Matt's Basement Workshop stickers, and I handed it to him and said, I got a little show, and I do a second show called Wood Talk Online. He goes, I know about you guys. And I looked at him, (laughs) and I went, well, thank you, as I was thinking, you're so nice to lie like that. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, he said he knows about us, but he didn't say in what context or how he feels about it. So, <laughs> Right, exactly. I'm like, do, do you listen? Are you, are you a fan? Do I find you in the chat room quite often, or do you prefer to stay anonymous? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll – if he's here, I don't think he's going to let himself be known. <laughs> right, definitely. So, <laughs> but the funny thing is I don't know if he was afraid that people were going to like trash his car or something while he was there, but we were heading back to the hotel, and he was pulling out of the, uh, the parking garage – 
and he had the nastiest beater I think I've ever seen in my life. It was like literally like the back end was dragging on the ground as really? he was driving away. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Interesting. Now, does he still work? Because I know they, he was with Woodcraft Magazine for a while. Is he still right for them now? Um, I don't know if he does or not. I think he might once in a while because I think in the latest one, I think he might have a small article or something. But okay. he's he's definitely. I mean, they they were they were showering him with you know praise and everything else, and I'm like, <clears throat> I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, over here. Does some of that fall on me? <laughs> but it was kind of neat because um, another big celebrity, or I guess we could say a celebrity for sure, was uh, Rob Cosman was there, and he mm-hmm. was uh, um, doing some stuff about his uh, his classroom, his classes, and his uh, DVDs and stuff. And cool. I was shocked because for some reason I, I knew he was a little bit on the short stature, but he's he's actually about my height, which I'm just like, dude, that's kind of scary. <laughs> Interesting. So wait, how, I mean, I don't know how tall you are because I've never seen you in person. So um, uh, give me a I'm frame five, of reference here. Five six with here. heels. Five six with heels. Oh, that sounds sexy. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I tell you, you're gonna see those in Vegas. <laughs> nice. That that's gonna be pretty hot. But that's cool. Now, did you actually get to talk to Rob at all? No, every time I, I would head over there on my on my pee break, um, he was always just really, really packed with visitors. Everybody was you know really interested in hanging out with him. Yeah, he's pretty popular. Yeah, and it, but you know I had one of those moments where again I had to be reminded of how you know what level I really am. It's like if Kathy Griffith is uh, a D list celebrity, I consider myself to be somewhere around like an M, an N, <laughs> maybe you know a, a P or something. But uh, at one point, walking around the thing, and we got like the big name tags that say like you know Matt. I mean, you can't miss it. They, they're definitely they're really huge. I walk past the guys at the forest saw blade table. Oh, okay. And the one guy's like, "Hey, Matt, how's it going?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, he knows me. Oh my god, <laughs> it's hey. a name tag." <laughs> yeah, and I look. I kind of. I even do the thing where I deliberately look down at his chest to see what his name was. Jason. How's it going? <laughs> Hello, my name is Matt. How do they know my name? <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. Unfortunately, I had a lot of those moments. So and it's much like trying to figure out the levels tonight, trying to get my sound playing. So <laughs> that is pretty cool, though. That No, that sounds great. So now this is a yearly event that they have there? Yes, that, that's my understanding is it, it's every single year. And nice. it was a lot smaller this year from what I understand. The, the, the big one for the last couple of years has been Festool. But as we all know, they've kind of drawn back a little bit on their advertising. I, I, I hear that they're going to be really huge at AWFS. Mm, um, okay. So, yeah, it was that, that, was, that was the big draw the past couple of years. But this year, it, to me, it looked huge. It was, it was a lot of people there, and it was really neat just – Seeing all these different these different vendors and having a chance to actually talk with them and find out they don't know who I am, so <laughs> that's good. Anonymity is good. Um, right. So you said something about the new Stanley planes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, across the hallway from me or the the aisleway, uh, Stanley uh, Tools had their their little setup and they had their their new hand planes out there. So I had a chance hmm. to walk over and, and play with those because a lot of people have been asking about them. And oh, yeah. They, they're supposed to be available now at Woodcraft. I know they're going to be available at Highland Woodworking, so they're going to be all over the place. And I actually had a chance to uh, shoot a little footage with the, uh, the Stanley guys and have them talk about their hand planes and everything. So I'm not sure quite when I'm going to get that up. I'm hoping probably early August at, at the absolute latest. Okay. Um, but the, the the funny thing is, it's like you think of like the totes and the handles on the on the planes. You think of like rosewood or maybe you know something close to it. Sure. Their big thing is cherry. They're using cherry handles. Hmm. Interesting. And, yeah, and they were, they were a little bit clunky to me, at least. I mean, they felt really big in my hand. Then again, I've got girl hands, so it's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit bigger. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but fit and finish in general, I mean, it was okay. Or you know, well, well yeah. here's the other question: Where is their price range? I haven't really looked into it too much. Where do they fall? 
Okay, they're going to fall into the price range of about where the Wood River hand planes are right now. So okay. we're talking upper 100s, lower 200s. Basically trying to undercut the high-level guys by you know, producing something a little bit better than, than the cheapest stuff, but still not quite as expensive as the high-end. Exactly. And they they're, they're the, the main uh, models they have out is they have a number four, which was surprisingly very, very heavy. It was extremely heavy compared to what I would think of as a typical number four. Hmm. Um, they have a bevel-up jack plane, which was surprisingly light, but it seemed to do a decent job. Um, and then they have uh, two mo- two new models of their block planes, uh, a low angle and a standard angle. And I have to admit that they, they definitely really improved these because I have an old, I want to say it's a 60 and a half, I think is what it is, a low angle block plane from Stanley. And the cap iron on it is horrible. It barely mm. covers the blade. It It's, it's just wow. horrible. And the new one now has a very big, beefy uh, uh, cover uh, cap iron on it, and they all come with really big, beefy blades. So they definitely have at least improved those aspects of it. Now, I really didn't get a chance to do much more than like, here, run it across the edge. Okay, that's enough. Next person in line, <laughs> run it across the edge. <laughs> right, right. But it definitely, they, they, they look they look very nice. and It'll be very interesting to get our, get our hands on them and play with them if possible. I, I don't know. I guess I have to say really nice things about them, and maybe they'll, they'll let me borrow one to see what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll send you one. But it's an interesting yeah. area because, I mean, it seems like that is now going to be flooded. You know, like the, the sort of cheaper planes are on their way out, and uh, the companies are realizing that there's a market for better planes, but, you know, not everybody wants to spend those top dollar amounts, so they're trying to fill that void. But seems like there's a couple, you know, a number of companies that are now going to be filling that void. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they're, they're really stepping. I, I think that their name has been dragged through the mud enough now yeah. that they want to try and get back in there. And, and I wish them luck. I really do. I mean, they, they, they you know, one of the originals and you hate to see anybody fall like that. But I just hope that they don't try and jump in so soon that it it doesn't work out for them. So who knows? We'll, we'll definitely have to see what happens. Yeah, we'll keep our eye on it. Very cool. Um, If we want to jump into the Around the Web segment, uh, I've got a link here that I thought was pretty cool. I participated in uh, what Tom Iovino is calling the Great Wood Movement Experiment. Um, So if you go to Tom's workbench, I'll put the link in the show notes for this, uh, tomsworkbench.com. He has a little experiment that that a couple of us did where he sent a little five-inch by, you know, like eight-inch pieces of wood, various different species, he let them acclimate to his environment in humid, tropical Tampa and uh, <laughs> sent one to me in uh, in Arizona and sent one to um, Iowa. And basically, we let it go for a couple of weeks, took some measurements, and we confirmed. So the results are very surprising. Um, wood moves. It, it does? Yes. I mean, not just simply somebody picking up moving it. The nope. wood itself moves? Nope. It actually moves. So <laughs> it kind of told us what we knew if you send a humid... Uh, a board from a human environment to a desert, it's going to shrink. Um, the Iowa results are a little bit you know, different because it wasn't as necessarily as dramatic of a change, but there's actually quite a bit of data to, to pour through if you want to here in this article. Uh, yeah, no, let's do this. I but mean, we it, always talk about wood movement, and I, I think yeah. something like this definitely really puts it in perspective. And it does, because it was only a couple weeks. I mean, within two weeks, uh, the boards that were sent to me immediately dried out. And one, one thing that I... Uh, that I didn't even really report necessarily when I gave Tom this information is the fact that those boards all cut 
and a lot of them, the vast majority of them, were perfectly flat when they came to me. And by the time I gave them back, they were pretty severely cupped, more than we'd be comfortable putting into a project. And wow. you know, and we're talking just basic uh, species here: cherry, poplar, maple, ash, red oak, and one that he thinks was elm. And pretty much every one of them moved. You okay. know? And uh, I believe even the ash had as much a as an eighth of an inch movement um, across its width in two weeks. Wow, that's insane. It's unbelievable, <laughs> isn't it? So it's a great article. you got to check it out. Uh, it's called The Results Are In. So go to Tom's Workbench. I'll put the link in the show notes. You guys can check that out. Definitely. I mean, uh, you know, thinking about the when you built the, uh, the project um, for uh, Leo and how you were so concerned about moving it from one environment to the other. I mean, this yeah. really helps to back that up. Wow, that's, that's great. Yeah, Kudos definitely. to Tom for coming up with that. Yeah, very cool. So I think we're going to do another one in the future where we test similar boards, but with finish on and without finish or with different types of finish. So we okay. can see you know, if that sort of baseline amount of movement, how much that's altered or delayed by having a finish on it. Okay, definitely. Yeah, it'd be cool. All right. Now, now this know, other I, under- one, did I put yeah. this in here or you? Uh, I, I thought you did because there's no way in the world I want to talk about this one. <laughs> I just thought it was a good video. I actually put Matt's uh, Krylon Stain in a Can review video in here because I thought it was entertaining. Um, I, Krylon sort of made the rounds and gave a bunch of bloggers the, uh, uh, their new spray stain in a can. And I think maybe why I put this in here is because my video, which is going to be out in a couple weeks... I actually had a little bit of a different impression uh, than everyone else did, it seems. So that'll be interesting when mine comes out. But um, Matt basically has got – I put, the, again, the link in the show notes. But um, you spray uh, – what, what was it? I can't believe I forget. It was just a little table, right? Yeah, it was a, a, a little table that I had made a, a while ago. It was like a, a weekend project. In fact, we, we featured it here at the, on Matt's Basement Workshop. And yeah, and I found the like, well, you know what? I got this thing sitting around. I might as well stain it one of these times. And sure, sure. Yeah, so I took it out there. And it's funny because I think everybody should really appreciate the beauty of uh, Final Cut Express being able to edit because, man, <laughs> I had to edit my butt crack out of that thing like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's just like seeing yourself dancing on video when you see yourself with butt crack hanging out the back end and your wife goes, that's what I see every time you work. Uh, it helps <laughs> put things in perspective. <laughs> you know, that's funny. When I was filming the movers, uh, one of the movers decided to give uh, a nice show of his butt crack. And I, I, I figured, you know what? I don't know that I'm going to use this, but it could be good material for something funny later. So I, I you know, I turned away and filmed it and I, and I have it. I haven't edited the video yet, but um, so I don't know. I, I think it might be inappropriate, but <laughs> sure I would just, be funny though. <laughs> I just couldn't help it. I, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's right. a weird thing, but anyway, uh, so right. this video was pretty cool. You, you actually, you, for the most part, thought it was a good product and it, you thought the project turned out well. Right, definitely. You know, one thing we, we, I think everybody knows by now, I, I don't use any type of uh, spray gun. Uh, my familiarity with any type of spray can, etc., or I should say my familiarity with actually spraying in general is um, it's mud. <laughs> I'm horrible at it. Yeah. And I received a few comments on the blog actually about that. But yeah, all in all, um, I, I got really decent results from it. And the funny thing is it was pine that I was the table is made out of. So I was expecting to get some blotchiness because I didn't put a preconditioner on it. I just said, you know, I'm just going to do this and we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. And I got a consistent color ac- across the whole entire thing. Hmm. But that's also, as I think I mentioned, I put on the equivalent of like three or four, maybe five coats total. All of that, like five minute video that you saw. Right, right. <laughs> Spray the living daylights out of it. Sure. 
but all in all, it, it's it, it, it held up pretty well. It looks decent when I look at it. Um, I even had my wife look at it, and for once, she actually said, "You know, that looks like a decent job. What did you do?" And so, <laughs> you know, that that to me is like the gold standard. Um, nice. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see you know what else other projects I would put it on if I would get similar results. Sure. Yeah, I wasn't completely happy with it. I felt that it kind of sprayed really just like spray paint. You know, I had trouble getting nice, even, consistent results across uh, across the board. And it wasn't, um, you know, for a lack of technique necessarily so much as it's just hard when you have that much color packed into the spray pattern. It's always mm-hmm. going to be difficult to get an even uh, layer of color unless you do, like you said, you know, five coats and you get that complete coverage, which is almost like painting it. Uh, as opposed to staining it. So I, I was, you know, I, I'm still on the fence about it. I don't think I would really use it in a, a practical application. But I think for some folks who are just doing a weekend project, it's a real fast way to apply a good uh, oil-based outdoor stain that's, you know, probably going to last longer than, uh, you know, something that they might have come up with, you know, just maybe putting a stain uh, in a can. There's there's like UV absorbers and things in there that are um, you know, better for the outdoor environment and you don't necessarily, at least they don't indicate that you should be top coating it either. Right. Yeah. Which, I didn't see anything on there either about it. Cause I went, I was thinking about going out and getting some and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you know what, we're just going to put this out here for the summer and yeah. and see how it looks at the end of it. You know, I think that's a root real true test of it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Let us know. I'm cur- I, I did a few test boards, but they got lost in the move. So I'm curious <laughs> how yours turns out. Like you pointed out, you know, when when I first put the first like what would be considered the first coat on it, I I, I know exactly what you're talking about with if I just wanted just a, a, a light coat on it because really it it does kind of look a little muddied, you know, if you want to hmm. call it that from the equivalent of how many coats I put on it. Right. But yeah, when I when I did put that first one on, the more I think about it, that spray pattern was all over the place. Right. And I you know I don't think I was getting something consistent. So you I think you might be onto something there because that was another reason why I'm like let's put another one down this. Okay, let's put another one. Okay, one more. What yeah, the and then eventually. Eventually, you don't see any wood grain at all, and you've painted it, you know, and that's, right. that's you got to find a place to draw the line. So my best results with it actually were from spraying and then wiping off the excess. And if I'm, you know, going to pay that much for a can of, of uh, coloring agent, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to waste it. And basically, by spraying it and wiping the excess, the majority of it ends up in my rag, not on the wood. You know, right. so it's a little frustrating in that sense. But, um, yeah, so my video will be... Um, on the negative side, I think. Um, but anyway, right. enough about that good stuff. Uh, let's move yep. on to the news. Um, okay. Let's hit this first. We've got the announcement of the Lumberjocks Summer Awards. And right. uh, Martin seems to have simplified it this year. It's actually only one category, which is the Garden Bench. And he's got uh, 10 prizes, uh, first place through 10th place. A number of good prizes that you can check out. We'll put the link in the show notes. But uh, one category, man, a garden bench. I think that's uh, that's certainly doable with the summer coming and everything. Right, absolutely. I know I was looking at that, and it was funny because when I first went to the, the the page where he has it at, at, at um, Lumberjocks, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, well, I must be putting up the second category later on because yeah. you're so used to seeing something like that. But no, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that really will kind of funnel everybody in. So, you know, cause sometimes with the two category, I like the idea of the two category, but then it's almost like one of those, I don't know, going back and forth between them. You know, do I want to enter two? Do I want to enter one? Sure. None. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, what, it starts July 1st. Didn't you already say that is when entries uh, can be start being submitted? Yeah, I didn't give the dates yet. It looks like uh, entry opens July 1st, right? And voting opens on August 1st. Uh, and the entry period ends on July 31st. So basically you've got a month to do the submission. 
Okay. So, and let's see here. You are allowed to vote only if you have at least one project listed on lumberjocks.com. So, it's easy oh. to become a member, totally free, but it looks like they now want voting to have you have to have at least submitted one of your own projects. So, do something like I do and just throw a piece of wood in and go. I call it wood. <laughs> now, are are they saying do you have to you have to be a contestant or do you just have to have put a project up on the Lumberjocks website? My interpretation is you have to have a project somewhere on lumberjocks.com. Okay. So okay. you don't have to put up. That, that's what I thought at first is, oh, wow, you have to enter in order to do it. But no, it says, at least that's why I'm reading yeah, it. Yeah, otherwise that would, that would limit the voting pretty significantly. But, uh, well, that's not hard to do. Just, you know, join Lumberjocks. It's free and um, uh, you won't regret it. I can tell you that much. That's right. And once you post a project, I guarantee you're going to want to post more. <laughs> yes, you I will. should do that pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, not a bad idea. Um, you know, the other bit of news, which is quite sad, uh, which most people by now, this is kind of old news because it was a couple weeks ago, uh, but the passing of uh, great woodworker Sam Maloof. Right. And, uh, you know, he's a very influential woodworker, and I just wanted to make sure for anyone who wasn't already aware that uh, we lost a, a legend a couple weeks ago, and, uh, you know, the man's famous for his rockers, but he's a uh, pretty accomplished woodworker all around. And have you ever seen any of the videos of him speaking at, a, you know, or any, what was it on wood, what is that woodworking video site? Um, um, the, uh, what, the woodworking channel or no? Um, not- oh, I can't remember what it is. Oh, nice. Yes. No, you're right. It is the woodworking channel. Is it the wood? Okay. And uh, they're, um, they had a couple videos up there that he was, he was speaking, and it doesn't look like it was that long ago. And I, I just thought he was a really cool guy, just listening to his uh, theories and just the way he talks and uh, approaches the, the craft was really inspirational. So if you could right. check those out, definitely do so. Um, but, you know, very, very sad. But uh, the guy, you know, if, you, if you've lived a life that has influenced as many people as he has, then... You know, it's a, definitely a life well lived, I, I would Absolutely. think. Absolutely. You know, the, the neat thing is I, I read part of his biography about how he kind of got started is he was actually like a, a an assistant to an artist and it sounds like it wasn't making enough money. So he started building his own furniture and then somehow it got featured in Better Homes and Garden, I think. And then suddenly <laughs> people are like, I really like that table you made. Do you think you could make another one? And eventually he got to the point where he's like, yeah, this uh, teacher assistant thing, I'm going to have to give this up because apparently i got to start woodworking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, that's so, crazy. Yeah. So it's just it's, it's amazing how he went from kind of humble beginnings to being the, you know, the, the figure that he is. So, yeah, yeah sad passing, definitely. Oh, wow. Can we take the next one here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we have um, – the Woodworking in America registration is going on right now. In fact, you can save $40 when you register for this year's Hand Tools and Techniques Conference by August 3rd. That's uh, 2009 in case it's 2010 and you're listening to these older episodes. You've already missed <laughs> Future planning. That's very smart. <laughs> right. So we'll make sure to have links in the show notes uh, so that you can get yourself uh, registered for that. You have like a, it's over a month away right now because we're not even quite into July as we're recording this. Yep. So, uh, you know, if you're interested at all in, in heading to that one, definitely do it. Save yourself 40 bucks, get registered early. And, uh, you know, the hand tools and techniques one coming up, um, that one is definitely, is it August 3rd? Is that right? Well, that's the hand tools and techniques. That was copied right off of their website, so okay. it better be right. Um, the oh, other, okay, I got it. You can save if you do it by August third. I'm sorry. Yes. Once again, 
wow, people, this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> right. So that, but that's the one that that's very similar to what happened uh, down in Berea last November. Right. And if you're interested at all in hand tools, want to learn more, it's it's a hand tool fanatics, you know, dream. It's right. it's an amazing thing. Are you going to that one? I'm I'm hoping to go to it. I'm going to go ahead and and uh, start registering for it. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, starting at the end of July, I, I have to shift labs and I go to a different one where I actually have to like punch a clock. And so I don't Ugh. know if I'm going to make it over there. God or not. forbid. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, what's up with that? But uh, yeah, I'm planning on going right now, and then I'll hopefully be able to work out something if I don't. So nice. Definitely. But you're going to the one in Chicago, though, right? Yes, but I won't be making the second one, but the uh, design conference I will definitely be going to. Right. Sweet. So it's like two months in a row of Matt and Mark together. Can you believe it? It's going to, I don't know, worlds are going to collide and uh, wow, it's going to be like magic. Right. Definitely. Okay. We Now the next one, and this is related to woodworking in America. And let me see if this works. I'm, I'm going to cue this up and you let me know can, if, you can, if you can hear this. <laughs> We're going to try something here. <laughs> Let's see. Can you hear that? I I don't hear anything. I don't know okay. if anyone else can hear it. All right, then I'm just going to skip that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's use our imaginations and pretend okay, that we heard something cool. <laughs> dun, dun. Okay, uh, anyway, Woodworking in America, they announced something really, really fun for everybody that's going to be attending it. You don't have to be a special person to get involved with this. You can just be a Joe Schmo that just wants to have a little fun. And it's the first ever Woodworking in America Hand Tool Olympics. Nice. And this just looks like... If for no other reason in the world, this is why I am going to woodworking in America so I can strut my hand tool Olympic ability. <laughs> <laughs> Not my ability to talk, but my hand tool Olympic abilities. Yeah, yeah. So what what is it all about? What what I've seen some stuff, but I haven't delved into this. What's the deal? Okay, well, it looks like there are going to be six different events happening. And uh, let's see here. It is the SAPFM guys, the Minnesota chapter, that are going to be um, uh, uh, refereeing over this. And that's the Society of American Period Furniture Makers. Oh. So our first event is the One Meter Dash, which is step away from your table saw and venture back into the 1800s. Each contestant is required to accurately accurately rip a 36-inch piece of 2x12 stock with using just a handsaw. That one's going to hurt. Nice. Uh, then see, there's a shooting sports, which is uh, using a joiner plane to straighten and square the edge that you created during the one-meter dash. Okay. Um, then there's the cross-cut extravaganza, where you hold your finger straight to sight down the saw and simply channel your inner square to accurately cross-cut a piece of 2x12 lumber. Um, the next one is brace yourself for a hole in one, which is using a brace and bit to bore a three quarter inch hole in a plank straight and square to the surface of the plank. Wow. That one's going to be really nasty after watching those guys last year, (laughs) man. And then let's see that one's they're saying that one's purely judged for speed. Okay. So that, that could be really interesting. Wow. The last two are pins first or tails first, which obviously is hand cutting a three pin dovetail joint on a one by four using only hand tools again. And then the last one, they're calling it the Greco Roman tenons, which is a matter of producing a three inch long, three quarter inch thick tenon on a piece of two by four stock. Mm. So and then, of course, you have to actually fit that into a predetermined size. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. The, the, you know, the event I'm going to join is uh, hand cutting dovetails with a butter knife. 
There <laughs> and you know what? I, I'm going to be standing in line for that one to watch for sure. <laughs> I, I've got to see that. Frank Claus will have nothing on you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I've got a pretty wicked butter knife. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's yes, see. So, that'll be interesting. Well, no, that's cool. That's going to be entertaining. Now, is that... That's happening at the hand tool conference, not the design conference, right? No, it's actually going on at the design one, too. Is it? Okay, so that's, yeah, that's because, cool, uh, and I won't miss it. Yeah, they said that it's going to be held on Friday, August 14th, and Saturday, August 15th. And then the uh, final events, the recreational and fun events will occur on Sunday, August 16th. Okay. And uh, there's some there's some nice prizes that are be given away for it, so uh, that will definitely be it. I, my understanding from reading, and we'll have a link for this in the show notes because I've got it at Popular Woodworking's blog. Um, it sounds like if you kink your saw during some of those, you're out of there, buddy. So they're <laughs> going to be very strict about this. <laughs> that is, it's pretty cool. I'm glad that they're, you know, it's exciting and it'll get people all riled up. But, um, you know, we, we have actually a new segment that we want to do. And interestingly enough, we probably won't be doing it again for a few months because we're uh, taking our little summer break. Uh, but Matt and I thought it would be cool to do a magazine roundup. And basically, we'll do it once a month where we look at whatever magazines happen to be out at the time and kind of point out articles that we found interesting and stuff that you might find interesting uh, to save you the trouble of uh, buying magazines that you don't necessarily need. Um, right. And, you know, because it, it's a new segment, I figured, you know what? People love it so much when I sing and, and write songs for the show. So I, I put another one together. Sweet. I want this as a ringtone. Uh, I think we can probably work that out. I got to warn you, every time I play this, I cringe. Like, it scares me, and it goes against all my better judgment to even play it. But uh, what do I have to lose? So, that's right. (laughs) All right, here we go. This is the part of the show where we review all the magazines. We do it for you so you don't have to spend all your hard earned beans. Yeah. Magazines cost like six, seven, or even eight bucks unless you have a subscription. But if you buy them all, my friends, your spouse will likely have a conniption. So if you can't get enough of the woodworking stuff, let Mark and Matt tell you what you need to read. You know, the best part about this is uh, is Tree's response in the chat room. He says, Dignity? <laughs> what, what does that mean? I was going to respond back, Digna what? Digna, digna who? Uh, there, there is none of that here. <laughs> uh, basically, this you know Nicole wasn't here. Normally, she gives me the nod and tells me whether something is like too stupid to do or, or I, whether I should do it on the show. She wasn't here, so um, sorry about that's, that. That's fair play, then, man. That's <laughs> yeah. that, that will teach her to be away on critical moments, like you know, introducing a new topic. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, you want to lead it off? I've got a couple magazines here. I've got some articles that I've picked out, and if you want to jump into it, we will rip and roar right through these. Okay, well, the first one that I found, this is in the Summer 2009 Woodworking Magazine, and this is actually written by Megan Fitzpatrick, and it's called Finish the Insides or Not. Hmm. And it's it, it's an article talking about, you know, we get this t- question quite a bit, and I know we've, gone, you know we've talked about this, but do you really need to finish the inside of drawers? Do you really need to finish the inside of cabinets, the underneath, the hidden parts? And, you know, there's people out there that say absolutely because of moisture and all the other stuff. Well, Megan went into a a really great discussion about the fact that, you know what, you really don't need to go to all that effort and uh, gave some some really great ideas about everything. So I kind of flipped through the article and kudos to Megan. I I think this is a really great article. Uh, And again, it's in the 2009 
summer issue of Woodworking Magazine. So definitely, that's that's only one of like a, a couple of articles in here that I, I had a hard time narrowing it down which one I wanted to go with from that one. Oh, cool. Good deal. Sounds like a good buy. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I have, um, this is a big one, actually. I, I, I was just looking, like, sort of flipping through the magazine, and I found myself just engrossed in it. Uh, Woodworker, I'm sorry, Woodcraft Magazine. What's the issue? This is, bala 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 ba, number 29. Where's the date? June, July of 09. They have a whole thing on building workshops, and, of course, this caught my attention because that's what I'm going to be doing pretty soon. Um, but, let's see. Some of the topics. It says, welcome to our new workshop. And they kind of give you a whole rundown on everything that they did for their new 50 by 30 workshop. And it, I mean, the thing looks beautiful. Um, mm. They have this section on uh, creating super easy workshop cabinets. Uh, they go into dust collection, whether you should build or buy countertops. They give you all the, you know, full cut list for the cabinets that they, they recommend building. Um, Toolboard organizers. And then the dust collection. I mean, once you get to that point, you're thinking they're, they're going to finish up here. But they go right into this whole thing on setting up um, full-scale dust collection in a shop and uh, all the different components that you're going to need to do it. Um, it's, it's an incredible article. I thought it was really, really good. So that's the uh, latest Woodcraft Magazine issue. So definitely, you got to check that one out. Right, absolutely. You know, I, That's one of them that I, I had earmarked myself, so I'm glad we're agreeing on that one because the neat thing is right in the middle of it, um, they've got like a, a little – if anybody that's visited Grizzly's uh, uh, Tools uh, um, website, they've got a little thing where you can kind of like a project planner for your workshop, and you can take little pieces of, you know, like, oh, that's a table saw, and I can move this over here. Right. Well, they went ahead and did that in the center of Woodcraft Magazine there, so you can have little cutouts, and you can have, like, little role-playing, like, oh, I'm going to be a table saw, and I'm going to sit here, and, <laughs> right. you know, to kind of help you out. I thought that was actually kind of a neat idea. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very cool. Definitely a good buy, and it's a, it's a, it is a packed magazine. It's definitely a good one. Right, definitely. Now, uh, when I was out perusing around, um, uh, one that I used to pick up quite a bit, and I, I, I think I quit doing it because of something you mentioned in the song about the wife not being too happy or the significant <laughs> other not being too happy. Right. I kind of narrowed it down to which magazines I was going to get. But occasionally when I'm, I'm at the uh, the big box uh, 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 bookstore drinking my uh, chai latte, I'll grab a, a Worksmith magazine. Okay. And uh, I found a couple of really neat articles in there. One was all about, um, let's see here, was, it was gluing up stronger joints, kind of just a, a little synopsis of like, you know, things that you should do, not add too much glue here or, you know, just little ideas and stuff. And basically what the, this whole suggestion was when you follow some simple guidelines, long lasting glue joints are a sure thing is what they were guaranteeing. So I kind of read the article and I thought that was a pretty decent one. And mm. a second one that they had in there this month that really caught my eye was uh, an article about using glazes and learning how to, the technique of glazing can enhance the color and appearance of a project. And so I'm like, that's that's a neat one because, I mean, I'm horrible when it comes to finishing. I mean, just look at the table I did. It's, it's nice and muddy. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. You know, anything that's going to help, you know, pop it out a little bit more. So that was one that I that definitely, I'm like, you know what? This month might be a good issue to get. Nice. That sounds like a good one. Uh, we have, let's see what else here. Well, uh, we can't we can't not mention popular woodworking. Because we can't? No, oh, yeah, that's right. We, we can't. know them. You know why? Because um, uh, they kick our butts, man. <laughs> not at all, because <laughs> my article is in there. Uh, this month was actually a really special one. I think you guys have heard me talk about um, the uh, hall frame for like the past few months. And what it basically was leading up to was this uh, big four-page article. My first four-pager. I'm all excited. 
Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but it's it's a really cool article. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, pretty you know special because I had a chance to actually meet someone from that family and to see the original in person. So um, that's definitely one that I'd, I'd love to to hear everyone's opinion on. Check it out if you get a chance. But since I'm on the topic of pop woodworking, the other article in there that you might miss if you don't get to the uh, second half of the if you don't get past my article. <laughs> I was going to um, say, there's something past your article. I'm, I'm, I'm totally engrossed in yours. I love the, the little squiggly thing at the bottom. <laughs> right. Um, but this, this actually is a really cool article because I get questions about this a lot, uh, dealing with raised panels and the multiple ways that you can make them. So uh, Robert Lang, Chris Schwarz, and Glenn Huey all presented uh, three different ways, one with a router table, one doing it by hand, and one with the table saw to create raised panels, which really should satisfy the needs of just about uh, any shop as far as equipment is concerned right definitely yeah i I really like that one too because they've been doing that a lot lately they've been having quite a few almost like joinery showdowns with like three different perspectives of how to to do the same thing oh yeah what was the other one on tape how to like three ways to make a tapered leg or something like that yeah that was a good one too i really like that one yeah, you had a, th- this month. Not only do you have that four-page article in there. I mean, there's there's some really good stuff in there. The, the rest of this month. I mean, you got a nice article with Lonnie Bird, and then a huge thing about glue with um, uh, Mark Adams. So, but they put you ahead of all of them. I don't know if you noticed that. You probably did. <laughs> I noticed I wasn't on the cover though. Yeah, well, I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's there's a, this is actually a packed magazine too. I was talking about the uh, Wood Woodcraft magazine being just packed with great articles. This is another one. Pop Woodworking's most recent one is just loaded. The um, I Can Do That Project is a, a, a knife thing. Did you see that one? Yeah, I did see that one. For, and I'm like, that will not be in my house. i got to hide those damn things. It, yeah, but it's cool, man. It looks really, really cool. I like that one. So yeah, that's an, yeah. another one you got to check out. Definitely. Sweet. Okay, well, you know, a, another magazine that I used to get quite a lot, and uh, again, I had to kind of curb it back a little bit because they were starting to pile up a little too often, <laughs> is Woodworker's Journal. And this month they had three articles that kind of really caught my eye. Uh, One is by – it's Ian Kirby, and he was talking about the fundamentals of arts and crafts uh, design. Not like really going into like how to build it and stuff like that, but giving a nice history lesson. And so I think I think it's part one of two or something like that that he's doing. And it was just kind of neat seeing, you know, again, kind of the the traditions built up to it and everything and talking a little bit about it, which to me was kind of a getting ready for the the uh, design conference coming up in Chicago. Sure. Um, you know, so that was kind of neat to see that um, another article they had in there. And it sounds like they're doing kind of a small shop uh, column where they have uh, I'm going to totally slaughter this like I always do. <laughs> Sander Nagelazanski, I think is how you say it. He's, oh, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has several books. Well, he's, he, he has one in there. He has a column in there talking about um, compressor-powered air tools and talking about, you know, like sanders and, and even like compressor-powered, uh, you know, brad nailers, um, drills, all sorts of stuff and kind of giving the small shop person an idea of what size compressor they really need to be able to do these things without, you know, the compressor constantly running and having to do maintenance on it. So I thought that was kind of a neat uh, article. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't pronounce his name either, but I've read a few of his books. 
Yeah, I, I think they just threw stuff in there, like you know, I mean, yeah, you know what? We need another Z in there, so let's throw <laughs> just, that one in. You can never have enough letters in your last name. I, I believe me, I know. The last article. Let me get through this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Right. Um, is uh, custom cabinet poles, and that one, you know, you see an article like this periodically, and it, it's basically saying like, hey, you know, if you want the the poles to match the uh, the, the pieces that you're working on, yeah. here's some really neat ideas. And they gave three different techniques for making three very nice looking but yet basic uh, poles so that anybody can do it uh, except me. So it's definitely <laughs> something to check out. And you know, on the on the topic of uh, too many na- letters in the last name, uh, Vanderlis is twice as long as what my mom's maiden name was. And up until I was in the third grade, when my my stepdad adopted me, mm-hmm. it was I just learned to spell the other last name, <laughs> and then he went and adopted me and added like five more letters onto the last name. <laughs> oh, bummer, bummer. Poor little Matt. Tell me about it. <laughs> okay, I've got a couple here uh, in fine woodworking that I thought were really interesting. And I've done this a couple times, but it's, it, when you're working with stuff like large slabs and natural edges, a lot of times it's just kind of, you're just kind of doing what you think is right, you know, because you're not dealing with uh, your standard system of, you know, running it over the, the joints or through the planer. It's, it doesn't work like that. You have to do things in different ways. So there's a, a really good article um, called, uh, well, Success with Large Slabs, and it shows the process of making a large natural slab table, how to... Uh, how to get the surface nice and flat. Uh, they put in some Dutchman's to kind of keep it from um, where there's this big crack in the table to keep it from uh, coming apart any further. But it gives you some um, some good tips on how to deal with that, which you can make some really unique pieces if you got access to, uh, to whole pieces like that. Definitely. No, that sounds like a great article. Yeah, it's very cool. And um, another one, which is a little bit more involved technically, uh, but it's how to veneer a sunburst. Uh, that's by Mark Arnold. And it's... Uh, you know, it's one of those things dealing with veneers and making designs and thing. It's it's kind of painstaking work and requires you know really good exact you know high quality templates and things like that. But it once you get it all worked out, it's a process and it's a process that you could repeat relatively easily once you've got it going. So it's a really good rundown of that process in case you've ever seen one of those you know cocktail tables that has that sort of sunburst design. You just go, wow, how how in the world did they even start to make that? This is yep. a really, really good review of that process. So that's in uh, Fine Woodworkings, what is it, August 2009 issue. Excellent. Yeah, that, that that's a great one. There was two others in there that, that kind of caught my eye. One of them, again, kind of continuing along with the idea of designing, was, there was one that was uh, designing with grain, and they were, they were building an English walnut sideboard mm-hmm. and demonstrating how a grain pattern can take your piece to the next level is how they refer to it. Oh. I thought that was pretty nice because we get that one quite a bit. You know, the, well, how do you put these together and how do you get this to look right? So Sure. That was a neat one. And then I'm a sucker anytime that uh, Christian Bexfort puts out anything about like building something shakerish. And he has a nice one there. It's a shaker chest of drawers. And I, I just love watching him build stuff because I think I just something about it. So you just like him is what you're saying? Um, we could be friends. Yeah. <laughs> we could be buds. <laughs> we could be buds. <laughs> that's cool. So that's uh, that's the magazine roundup, and we'll we'll get better and faster at it as we go. But it'll give you an idea of some of the most uh, interesting things that we found in the latest uh, magazines. Hopefully that'll right, be, and hopefully uh, help you decide if there's one out there that might work better for you, and you know go from there and keep you know. You know you can put more money towards buying stuff for us. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> and and you know, and unless specifically requested, I will not play that terrible song again. Uh, could you play it right now? <laughs> um, uh, well, here's the other thing. The only other time I'll play it is if it's specifically, uh, if I'm written, you know, if a lot of people write me and say they don't want me to play it again, I will. 
And if people write me and say that they do want it, I'll play it. But if nothing <laughs> happens, then I won't. So <laughs> okay. that's how it works. <laughs> uh, you can send those to uh, woodtalkonline at gmail.com. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Jumping into our sweet deals. Let's, uh, right. let's rock through these real quick. We've got... Of course, our friends over at Eagle America um, have another great deal for Wood Talk Online listeners. It's a July 4th sales event. Uh, starting right now, all Wood Talk Online listeners get a double deal. That basically means if you place an order of $75 or more, you get $10 off, and you also get uh, a $4.99 flat rate shipping, which is really cool. And unfortunately, it does exclude uh, Festool and Fine merchandise because they can't really do anything about that. Uh, the offer is valid now through Sunday, July 5th, and uh, listeners just enter the promo code WOODTALK56, that's the show uh, number today, 56, during checkout, and select 499 Super Saver Shipping as the shipping method to take advantage of the offer. So uh, big thanks to those guys at Eagle America, Tim over there, uh, they've got a ton of great products and um, really good uh, prices and a great deal for you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Tim. That, 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 that's fantastic. He continues to do that for our listeners. All right. The next thing I have up is you can save 15%, 15, that's 1-5% on all white side router bits at woodcraft.com until July 23rd. And this is only uh, for individual bet, bits and not sets. So 15%, that, that, that could save you a little chunk of change where, you know, definitely one of those magazines or something, but you, you can spend the rest of it over at Eagle America. There you go. Uh, take, so. what, take what's left over and go over there. Um, exactly. You know, another thing that I found just today, in fact, in my inbox, was uh, a notification that Epiphanes is on sale. And a lot of, I mean, I can't count the number of times I've gotten questions about what finish I prefer for outdoor furniture. And Epiphanes Marine Varnish, uh, clear gloss varnish, is the one that I use all the time. I think it's great stuff. And it's expensive as hell. So when there's a, uh, a sale going on, and Jamestown Distributors is the place that I usually buy this from, uh, I, I take advantage of it. So right now, go check it out. Pretty decent prices. Um, uh, let's see. It depends on what size you buy, how much you save. But you go to the, the link that I put up, and you'll uh, have an opportunity to save a few bucks. Sweet. You can have an epiphany about epiphanes. Epiphanes, epiphanies. Yeah, correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, one more I have here is uh, Highland Woodworking, free ground shipping on orders over $100. Of course, it's delivered within the 48 contiguous U.S. states, including excluding items that are shipped via truck or with flat rate shipping charges. Uh, so definitely uh, free ground shipping. You can't beat that. Yeah, absolutely. I love free shipping. Okay, the last uh, last thing I have in here, and I'm surprised this is still active because I put it in there last week, but it's one of those Peachtree uh, email direct offers. Uh, they have a 50% off fractional calipers, uh, which are now down to $19.99. So it was regular price 40 bucks, and are down to 20 So Sweet. that's definitely something you want to take advantage of if you're into tiny, tiny numbers. Yeah, I have to make sure that my... Uh shavings for my planes are coming out exactly at a thousandths or less <laughs> yes exactly um you know we've got a great email here uh from chuck isaacson and um you know last time i read a long bit of text i really really screwed it up do you want to read this email or or <laughs> yeah I, I can take this and i promise i will i will not get too out of control with this <laughs> okay yeah you take it then Okay, so we got this email in, and I, this is this is really great. Uh, it goes, "My name is Chuck Isaacson, guys. You are about listening, <laughs> guys. You were right about <laughs> listening to this. I already screwed it up." <laughs> okay, I'll I'll, I'll okay. shut up. Go ahead. 
Okay, so anyways, Chuck was saying, guys, you're right about listening to this. We'll put you to sleep. I listen to it every night when I'm in bed and rarely make it through an entire episode. So he's probably asleep by this point. Most likely. Now, I've had to listen to the same show four times to finish it, but it really is a great show. Anyways, I have recently gotten into woodworking and found both of your podcasts as valuable resources to learning the ropes of woodworking. A little bit about me. I'm a 29-year-old, and I'm retired from the U.S. Army. I was a flight engineer on a Chinook helicopter until I was in a crash in February of 2007. The crash killed five of my friends and left me paralyzed from the chest down. While I regained some use of my right leg, enough, to, enough of it to drive my truck with, I'm confined to a wheelchair. During my rehab, I picked up the wonderful pastime of hunting. I took it full speed ahead and killed four deer my first year, two with a bow and two with a gun. And then the season ended. Shortly thereafter, I picked up woodworking and have kind of become obsessed with it. I have just recently built an addition to my house that consists of a 24-foot by 27-foot garage and a connected 24 by 30 wood shop. While looking for information on accessible woodworking, I hit a brick wall. It motivated me to help start the resource. I contacted Woodworking Magazine for tips on making a workshop accessible and how to possibly modify tools to work. Uh, I told them I was planning on going to Grizzly Tent Sale in Springfield, Missouri, I was worried about not being able to get a good parking spot, so they, the editors of Wood, offered to contact their contacts at Grizzly. And when they did this, Grizzly thought I might have a hard time getting around with all the people that are going to be there. So they offered to let me come the night before and give me first dibs on all the tools. I went through the tools and looked for this and that and left tickets with, uh, with I left with tickets for a 14-inch bandsaw, a 12-inch disc sander, and a half-inch or half-horsepower mortising machine. When we were all done. The people from Grizzly surprised me by handing me the ticket for the one item that I picked that wasn't Grizzly and told me that all the Grizzly tools were on the house and thank you for your service. I was more than pleasantly surprised. They said that I could tell anyone I wanted about that, what they did for me, so I wanted to tell you guys and thought you guys might want to tell everyone else. I just thought that it was really nice that Grizzly stands behind our troops. Thanks and, and loves the show. So wow. Chuck, that's you know that one really kind of when I, when we got that that email, I was just like, oh wow, that's just that's amazing that a company would do something like that. That's just yeah, fantastic. Absolutely, no. I mean, we get emails from lots of different people who are going through lots of different you know things in life, and uh, and this one was one that was just really cool. It was a great story. Um, good on uh, you know Grizzly and Wood Magazine for helping the guy out. Um, you know, I know I've, there's a, a guy that I talk to all the time um, that Laguna did something similar for. Um, and I think it's great when these companies, you know, take a, a specific person who's who's had, you know, a, a rough time and, and they get into woodworking and just hook them up, completely hook them up is just a very, very cool thing. Uh, right. So thanks for the uh, email, Chuck. And uh, re- really glad we were able to read it on the, on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, woodworking is so therapeutic and it's glad glad to hear that it's helping you out too. Yeah, so absolutely. Sweet. And hopefully he'll come up with some information on uh, making this accessible shop that he's talking about. So, you know, if he's, he sounds like he's putting together a resource to help other people, you know, build a shop that can actually uh, be operated with someone in a wheelchair or someone who's, um, you know, handicapped in some way. Right. Um, you know, this is going to be a long show. I'm looking at the numbers here. And you know mm-hmm. what? It's the last one before the break. So what the hey? Let's just yeah, do it. That's right. Just stick around a little bit longer. We're almost kind of sort of almost there. Sort of, kind of. Okay, so let's jump into voicemails. We got uh, actually two from Roberto. What I'm going to start changing the voicemails name to is um, the Roberto asks us questions hour. 
I like that. I was thinking the same thing too. I'm like, you know what? We should just, you know, yeah, we'll hand this over to him for this portion. Yeah, absolutely. So send your questions to Roberto, and Roberto will ask those for you. <laughs> exactly. We'll filter them through Roberto first. Okay, so this is one uh, about Brad Nails, and uh, here's Roberto. Hey guys, how's it going? This is uh, Roberto from New Mexico. I have a question concerning how to remove Brad Nails, pin nails and staples and stuff like that. Every now and then I, you know, let's say I'm butt-joining two pieces of plywood together and I put a brad nail through there and then I change my mind and I take apart the the joint and the brad nail is always sticking out, you know, and, and I want to, is there some kind of tool that will remove the brad nail without breaking it? Because until now I've been using, you know, cutters or pliers or long nose needle, uh, needle nose pliers or something and I try, try and pull them out and it always just snaps and it's it's left with the embedded half of the brad and i'm tired of it so is there any kind of tool that i can buy that'll remove that thing nicely thanks okay um you know i'm gonna make a really strong recommendation here that's gonna solve his problems immediately in one fell swoop okay let's and hear that this. that is stop using brad nails Ooh, that's that's very deep. <laughs> that's very deep, right? Okay, short of doing that, if you have to use brad nails, um, you know, for me, what I always do is pliers and a thin piece of wood. I use the pliers to kind of grip it, and I use, you know, just using the piece of wood under the pliers to get some leverage, and I just kind of, you know, twist it, and it usually pulls up before it breaks. Um, you know, another option is you could try to pop it through the other way, you know, use like a nail set or something. But a lot of times with brad nails, uh, they just kind of, they're too, almost too soft or or too thin that they kind of conform and move around before they actually go back out the way that they came. Um, so I typically will do just what I said, try pliers and a, a piece of wood and do my best not to mar the surface that I'm working on. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, I was thinking of like, like a cat's paw, but even that, you know, you have to get like a really fine one to, to, to grab the, uh, the, the brad head mm-hmm. and everything. Right. Um, I know that there's those specialized pliers that kind of have like the, they're almost rounded and you know, you can kind of use those, but it's still a matter of getting in deep enough to, to grab the, the brad head and, and pulling it out. So I like your method. Yeah. Use like something in there and just leverage that wood underneath it and go from there. So yeah. That, that, would be, that would be my suggestion. Um, if anybody else has any ideas, let us know, and we'll we'll put it in the show notes for Roberto, so he can uh, so he can give that a shot. Now, the other question we have is concerning table leaf extensions. Hey guys, what's up? This is Roberto from New Mexico. I wanted to know if you guys can let me know where I could find some good table leaf extensions. I'm building a table and. It's not the kind of table that spreads in the middle and has one middle extension, but it's the kind that open up on the ends and use two extensions. So essentially, I need, I'll need a pair of extensions. I'd like to have metal just because that seems more strong to me, but wood would be fine. Um, just a simple ratchet or ball bearing or something like some type of table leaf extension you let me know where i can find one of those that would be great thanks a lot okay this is something that just about any any dealer that deals in standard furniture hardware should have uh systems that you can adapt for just about any table to do extensions so um, i've got a link here for one at rockler 
and I'm sure you could find better ones and cheaper ones if you go to a you know full scale hardware dealer. Um, but I don't, I don't know that this is necessarily something we have a magic answer for, but I've got that link as a suggestion. And if anybody else, uh, again, has suggestions, just, uh, when we post the show, put them in the show notes or the, uh, comments and, uh, Roberto can check out your links. Yep. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, Lee Valley, you could check them out I and mean, they got a nice hardware hmm. selection. I forgot to and- check Lee Valley. Yeah, I was, they have one thing. They have a whole table hardware, including table extenders, etc. So definitely, yeah, that that's one to check out. And then Woodworkers Resource, I think, but don't quote me on that one. I they they have a bunch of stuff, but I haven't been there in forever, so I could be wrong. <laughs> well, Woodworkers Resource is a podcast and a blog. Um, Woodworkers Supply. <laughs> oh, okay, Craig might know something over at Woodworkers. Go ask Craig; <laughs> he can help you out. <laughs> he might like that. You know, if this is a hard question, we're sending it to Craig. <laughs> exactly. Craig can take it over from Craig here. will handle it. He's got it. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, you know, this is uh, what do we got next here? Oh, Tom's tip. Oh, the Every, other great musical. Everyone like <laughs> the other great musical. This is really becoming a very um, uh, not as masculine show as it used to be let's just leave it that way um all right tom's tip here we go this is fresh uh from tom's lips today actually hello everyone it's that's not what i wanted to do sorry (laughs) i have two versions that was the that was the unadorned version here we go tom's tips that's right i said tom's tips i didn't say tom's lips Hello everyone, it's Tom Iavino from Tom's Workbench, and it's time for another one of Tom's Tips. While most woodworkers I know never want to leave the workshop, sometimes you have to step out to do those trivial little things, you know, like eat, sleep, use the facilities, things like that. Will you remember exactly what you're doing when you come back to the shop the next time? While you can rely on your memory, taking a few minutes to jot down some important notes dimensions of parts, settings on tools, what your next step should be can save you time and frustration later and prevent those infamous oops moments. Hey, your secret's safe with me. If you want to discover more clever, useful, or even somewhat coherent tips, check out my blog at tomsworkbench.com or visit any of the other great blogs that belong to the Wood Whisperer Network at twwnetwork.com. Okie dokie, Tom. That's a good tip. So write your stuff down so you don't forget. That's right. Absolutely. Very um, cool. Although I have notes in front of me and I forget everything. So <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily have that problem. I guess, you know what? I guess it's because I'm fortunate to go in the shop every day. But I think if I had to take, you know, three or four days off in between projects, you go back in there and you probably spend the first half hour trying to figure out what the hell you were doing in the first place. Yeah, you know, my problem is I'll do that and I come in and then somehow in that time period, I've like suddenly reworked the whole project in my head and uh-huh. then I'll like come into a part where I'm like, I'll start doing something and then I'll have that that epiphany later on that's like, oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant to do here. Damn it. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, you know, this do- dining table is now becoming a coffee table. <laughs> right. Uh, where was my thing here? Oh, okay. Um, you know, we got a little um, editor's uh, clip here review of the the new delta unisol so uh what that was pretty much introduced last year in atlanta and it seems like it's getting uh i don't know are they for sale yet have you heard um i i 
think they're supposed to be going on the market pretty darn soon. I and think they, that was one of the, the big things. Yeah, they must be. I guess that's why everybody's talking about it. But Pop Woodworking, I guess, got a hold of one, and Glenn Huey uh, did a little discussion and put a little audio clip together for us. So it's a couple minutes, and uh, we'll see on the other side of it. But um, for anyone who's interested in a new table saw, you definitely want to take a look at this one. Sweet. Hey, guys. I'm here to give you a little bit of an update on the new Unisol that just came out. Now, you know the Unisol is Delta's flagship saw, so it's going to come out and it's going to be a really nice saw. And the big news about this saw is that it is USA made. Now, that's not an easy thing to say. Uh, there's a lot of rules and regulations that have to be met in order to pull that together. And Unisol has done pretty good on it. Now, there's no way that you can count every nut and bolt to make sure that this is all USA made. But let's take a look at what is included in there that is USA made. The uh, first thing you want to talk about is the motor. It is a marathon motor, so we know that that's made in the USA. And then all the castings were also done here in the United States. Now, not just the tabletop and the wings, but also the castings for the new one-piece trunnion. And that's a big deal because the uh, one-piece trunnion replaces the standard three-piece setup, and uh, the accuracy you're going to get from the one-piece trunnion is going to improve and uh, make the saw a better saw. In addition to that... There is uh, new blades that are being put onto the saw. They're made in uh, Kentucky. They've been making saw blades for a while, but they have a new line coming out. And that's something that you should kind of keep a lookout for uh, as we move down into July into the AWFS uh, show that's coming up in Las Vegas. Of course, uh, another big thing is uh, to take a look at the uh, Biesemeyer fence that's included. Uh, that also is made in Jackson, Tennessee, right where the Unisaw is made. So that is also USA-made parts. And the cabinet for the saw... Uh, is also done right there in Jackson. It's uh, metals made and it's paint fabricated. It's uh, powder coated right there in the company as well. So all those things add up to being able to have the USA made sticker uh, or label on the front of the saw. The other thing that I think is very cool about this saw is the way they change the front end of it. As you look at the saw, the two handles are in the front. Now what they've basically done has pulled both handles to the front of the saw and remove the smiley face that we're all used to seeing on the old table saw designs. The uh, handles are not only just real easy and comfortable to use, but I have never worked with a table saw that was as easy to move up and down or to swing from 0 to 45 degrees. But I'll tell you, when our saw came from the factory, uh, everything was just dead on. The adjustments were right. The 45 and 90s were right. The, the, there was no run out of the blade. The fence was right. Everything was just dead on when this saw came out to us. The arbor nut is also pretty cool on this one. It's a one-piece design now instead of two. And what that means is as you unthread it from the arbor, the, uh, the threads will actually stop, and the arbor nut then doesn't fall into the dust down below, and you don't have to retrieve it out of the bottom of the saw. Uh, there's enough wide space in the throat to get your hand down in there, reposition your hand to comfor comfortably pull out the uh, arbor nut. So that's a real cool idea, a real cool design that they put together. Now... All that aside, you know, what's important about a table saw is how it cuts. And I'll tell you honestly, this table saw cuts fantastically. When I first pulled it out of the box, put it all together, ran a couple pieces of eight-quarter tiger maple over it, uh, things just were smooth as silk. Now, you know, you, you expect that when you have a brand-new blade on. Hey, your old beater runs great at home when you put a new saw blade on it. But this thing is just tuned, fit, tight, and ready to go. It's a good-looking saw. It's a saw well worth the investment if you're looking to update or improve your table saw. And I tell you what, there's only one negative thing I can say about it, and that's the dust collection. Now, without a dust collector on it, um, the old Tenuna saw that I've ran for years in my shop 
didn't have any questions or any concerns. You know, I let the dust fly out the bottom. I'd sweep the dust up when I was ready to. On the new Unisaw, without dust collection on it, you actually get a rooster tail of sawdust that comes up behind the blade. Not something that you really want in your shop. So you're going to want to hook this up to dust collection. And here's the key. Not just to any dust collection. It has to be at least a one and a half horsepower unit. You need about 1,200 CFMs on your dust collector in order to pull what they say is near 6 to 650 CFMs at the back of the saw. So if you've got a small unit or if you don't use dust collection or you have an underpowered unit, you're going to have to improve your dust collection in order to work with this saw. That's the one drawback that I see. Outside of that, this is a fantastic tool. It's a left tilt table saw, comes in two horsepower motors. You can get a three horsepower with a 36 or 52 inch extension table on it with the, or the uh, Beesmeyer fence, or it comes in a five horsepower, 52 inch design. All those are single phase and they're all left tilt. So that's a real quick synopsis on the Unisaw. And if you're looking for more information, make sure to check out the August 2009 issue of Popular Woodworking Magazine in the tool test column. It's our reviewed tool. You get a nice picture of the Unisaw if you haven't taken a look at it, and you get an, a, a close-up look of some of the other parts that come with it. Hope you got uh, all the questions you needed answered, and uh, take a look at the new Unisaw and make sure to pick up a copy of Popular Woodworking Magazine. Very cool. So here's here's a question. Uh, I mean, obviously, it sounds like a fantastic saw. Um, right. I, I'm curious with the chat room because the the first you know few minutes of what he was talking about is the whole made in the USA thing. Sort of you know virtual show of hands. Yes or no? Does the fact that it's made in America matter to you guys? And we've got quite a few people in the chat room right now. I'm just curious. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about this too. So far, actually, it's the yeses are starting almost to come in. unanimously. Yes. <laughs> would you pay more? Okay, since since um, since it's mostly yes, would you pay more for a U.S. built and made uh, saw compared to a competitor that performed just as well, but you know, some or most of the parts were uh, foreign. And, and, and I'm talking. There's, there's a few of them that are coming in saying yes. Yes. But not twice as much. So if right. we're talking in the hundreds of dollars, if it's you know anywhere between like three to eight hundred dollars more, you might consider it. <clears throat> wow, that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, cool. It is well, pretty interesting. <laughs> that's good. Well, I mean, you know what? It's uh, it it seems to be a a pretty strong, growing, and uh, almost unanimous sentiment um, with uh, American-made parts, and so you could see why. Uh, especially with a power tool company, why they are really, really pushing that as as part of their marketing uh, sh- strategy, which is pretty cool. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, because I know when they, they first brought it out, I mean, they, they, the discussion almost seemed like it was, that was, what, that was about, a, was it over a year ago that they first started talking about it? And, mm-hmm. you know, it, at first I was kind of skeptical about it. I'm like, that, that's, that's kind of neat to do that. I mean, yeah. we'll see what happens. And now it's, I don't know, I think it's definitely grown that everybody's attitude about it. So, well, we'll see because a lot of times, you know, a lot of times we're quick to say yes, you know, but to actually do it if it costs more, let's say, um, it'll be interesting, interesting to see how this, uh, right. this all performs in the market. Well, right. Uh, yeah, because I know when I want a new tool now, sometimes the waiting to save everything up is the impossible part. So, <laughs> Right. All right. Well, actually, believe it or not, I think that does it for the show. If you want to 
close it out, um, I'm going to stick around and chat with everybody for a little while, and I had a specific request to record some of the after-show chat, and I'm not sure how we're going to okay. distribute that, but I'll record it just for the heck of it. Uh, if anything interesting okay. comes out of it, we'll uh, we'll put it out there for people, but uh, I want you to let them know how they can get in touch with us. Okay, well, if you heard something today, or maybe you haven't heard something, like you want to get that question in, or maybe a voicemail or something much like Roberto... Um, you can get a hold of us either by emailing us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can pick up the phone, a lot like Roberto, and you can leave us a message on our voicemail if it's not filled up with Roberto at <laughs> 623-242-2450. And I think Roberto has it on his speed dial. You should put it on yours. You can get in just ahead of him and we'll do our best to get your question on the show and answered. So. <laughs> definitely do that and and don't misunderstand us we love the fact that roberto calls because if he didn't we wouldn't have any voicemails uh but you know what? that's right yeah <laughs> don't take it the wrong way <laughs> yeah yeah so we're going to be gone for uh for a little while but we'll probably have a few intermittent sort of uh weird programs that we'll put out because we'll be going to shows together and stuff so i'm sure we'll do yep. some recordings but as far as the regular show goes we'll be taking a little break um so until yep. uh until I don't know when, maybe uh, late August, September, football season. Something like that, yeah. yeah. We're going to take our summer hiatus. Exactly. We'll be, we'll be back in action. So thanks, everybody, in the chat room for showing up, and thank you for downloading this as a podcast, and we will, uh, we'll catch you next time. Definitely. Take care, everybody. See ya. Hey, guys. This is Bob, a.k.a. Built in a Barn. I got a, not really a question for you, but maybe a quick tip for some of the listeners. Um, I'm doing some race panel doors right now, and I've glued up my stock for my my actual raised panel. And uh, this time, different than others, um, I glued up my drawer front raised panels. I I glued up um, a, a much larger uh, solid board section, and I figured I'll go back and cut all my drawer raised panels out of that. Well, there's a problem with that. I biscuit jointed all the planks together, and then I went and cut all my door front raised panels, but when I ran it through the router, guess what happened? Well, uh, the cove that I routed for the raised panel went right through where the biscuits were, so not a, not a lot of good uh, preparation on my part, but uh, that's about it. Just wanted to kind of put that little tip out there for everybody to watch out for. Love you guys. Have a good one. Hey, Mark and Matt. This is Aaron over in Atlanta. Hey, I was just listening to Wood Talk Online number 55. I think that's the most recent episode. You guys had a call from or a voicemail from somebody asking about whether they could wash in the washing machine the, the uh, felt filter bag on one of their dust collectors. Uh, you, you gave the right answer. I just wanted to add a little bit more information for you. thought this might help to pass it on. Um, you guys talked about you know, not wanting to mess up the filter bag and it not being a durable fabric. That's, that's right on. But the other thing is that, that the bags don't actually res- get to their, uh, their rated one micron or whatever it might be rating until they've actually got some dust in them. So they, they actually rely on the dust. The manufacturers rely on the dust as part of the filtering process. So the more caked they get, you know, clearly the less stuff is going to come out. So, you know, a, a standard old furnace filter from your house could be a micro, one micron filter if it had, you know, an inch and a half of sawdust built up on it. But uh, that's actually one of the ways that, that some manufacturers kind of fudge the ratings a little bit. You know, they, they, te- they test their machines for CFM with no filters in it, but then they test for, for filtration with a, a filter in it that's been in there for three years so that, 
you know, they, they can sort of give the, the best of both worlds. So, uh, anyway, don't wash the thing. You gave the right answer. And uh, thanks for everything you guys do. Keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye.